The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another episode of Just Ten the Show, everybody, where it never gets any easier. Seth and Kevin with you to recap another loss. It's still not easy. <laughs> it's still not easy. Uh, the Jets drop another one, 30-9, to the New Orleans Saints, who are a fringe playoff team at best. Uh, I stand by it that I thought this might have been a winnable game last week. I don't think that was an outrageous take. Uh, I'm, of course, not shocked that the New York Jets lost a game but I'm a little surprised by the 30 to 9 final. What about you? Absolutely. I mean, what was this at halftime like 10 to 6 or something like that? It was not one of those games where they were absolutely getting beat up early like the Patriots games like it it was sort of like both teams were playing so badly that it felt like it was winnable from either side and there's so many there's so many bad things to 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 say. But here's here's what I thought for for a little intro thing here. All right. I made a list of all the positive elements of the Jets. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Here's the list. Okay. Number one, Braxton Berrios. Love it. That's my whole list. What did you think? <laughs> I I think that is a, a sad, while comprehensive list. Yeah. I think you know, that was my takeaway as well. The only uh, thing that we can come out of this game and be like, well, hey, is he actually – they mentioned in the broadcast, like, is he – He's like one of the leading kick returner. He might be even the leading kick returner in the league or something like that. I was, I, I didn't know, but then he caught some passes. Seems like Zach likes him as a target. So there you go. Thank you, Braxton Berrios, for giving us the one thing on our list. What is it with the Jets and kick returners? It's like no matter what's going on with them, <laughs> we seem to have the number one kick returner in the league. It's strange, isn't it? This goes back to like Leon Washington. Like they had Leon Washington, yeah. who like that was their thing. He's the great kick returner. Then they had Justin Miller. And that was his thing. That's all uh-huh. the Jets had going for them. And then yep. uh, there's, oh, man, I'm going to blank. But there's a couple more after that where we just, who Brad was, Smith, yeah. uh, right? Brad, Brad Smith. Smith. There was, um, who was, before Berrios, who did they have? He was pretty good. Yeah, there was another one even between Brad Smith and Berrios that was like, you look at the stats and you're like, oh, yeah, that's the number one kick return in the league. I think he went to the Pro Bowl as a kick returner. And they let him go to the Bills. He was a wide receiver. Andre Roberts. That's what I couldn't think of. I knew I had to look it up. Oh yeah, yeah. Andre Thank Roberts you for looking that up. Went to the Pro Bowl yeah. as a kick returner for us. There you go. So that's like the Jets thing. Weirdly, we always seem to have an elite kick returner. It, is it a volume thing? Do you think? Like because they're getting scored on so much, there's so many kicks that they <laughs> return and punts that they return that they're like, or not even punts, mostly kicks probably. But this reminds me of our good friend uh, Dan, who's a Syracuse fan. Uh, has a theory about like the greatest punters. Come, uh, Braden Mann's one of them, right? I think he went to Syracuse, maybe. Uh, but he talks about uh, that Syracuse has a really good pedigree for punters because the teams are always so bad that they're punting all the time. <laughs> so, oh like, my god, that's the one. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the it. one position that's group it, right? that they excel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world to me. So there you go, Braxton Berrios. Oh, and I guess maybe one p- small uh, positive: uh, Eddie Pinheiro. Hey. He uh, apparently he can't kick more than like 
35 yards? <laughs> what did they say? He, there's a real ceiling on the amount that he can kick, but hey, he made everything. Uh, he made everything that he was asked of. So, uh, Eddie. Yeah, three for three. We'll take it. We'll take it, Eddie. Thank you, sir. It's never a good sound when your kicker doesn't have the leg to kick off. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, all right, into kickoff for the Jets is Braden, Braden Mann. Mann. I'm like, why is Braden Mann yeah. kicking off? I'm like, oh, and then you watch uh, Eddie Pinheiro <laughs> kick a field goal, and you're like, Oh, it's because he's he's barely getting it over the crossbar from 35. All right, that's that explains yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's all of those kicks were like whoa, like it was like just barely off the ground. But hey, as long as they're going through the uprights, because with Amendola it was the opposite problem. It was like he can kick 70 yards in every direction. Like, it's like not you know not straight, but what they really needed to do it sounds like is kick both of them, and there's some precedent for that. There are teams that carry like a kicker. And then like a a big leg kicker. Yeah, they're there. There, it's been done. Wow. So maybe the Jets should have kept Amendola in case they have to kick like a fifty-five. He's got a better shot at it than Pinheiro. But everything inside of forty, <laughs> you let Eddie kick. <laughs> you bring Eddie in. Yeah, that's uh, maybe that's going to be the move. I think this. Let's just do in a whole uh, the whole episode, folks, is just going to be special teams content. We're not going to talk about the offense or defense because it's going to get a lot sadder. The music in the background is going to get a lot darker. <laughs> like oh. <laughs> there's really not a whole lot to talk about i mean when you watch this team defensively i guess we'll start there it's a good as place as any they didn't seem to contain Taysom hill which you think would kind of be their only job when you're playing Taysom hill it's like hey maybe keep this guy in the pocket don't let him get to the edge because he literally can't throw it's Taysom hill Taysom Hill can't throw normally, and he has like nine and a half fingers in this game. Just just, just keep him contained, make him beat you with his arm, and Taysom Hill proceeded to just run all over them. And it's like they learned absolutely nothing. Like they weren't prepared for that, which is mind-blowing. He ran all over them, and actually I think he, uh, you know, even the throwing statistics, like he, he, he was averaging like eight and a half yards per thing because mostly most of those were, I mean, he can't throw down field, so they were like all screen passes, and so... Yeah, that's another thing that we've talked about all year that they they aren't able to stop. I think I put in our text thread thing like, "Hey Jets, he can't throw. Maybe put some people in the box at first because he was running. Yeah, like you say, making plays with his legs. But even like, I mean, I think the stati- throwing statistics are bad. But he st- like when he actually was able to complete passes. If you can complete a screen pass, you can just run all over the their. De- you know, you can just run down the field because there's nobody on the Jets stopping him. So. Yeah, I think starting with the defense is probably the right move here. There, there's a lot of offensive problems as well, but this is primarily a situation where they, I said it last week, but like it's not an exaggeration to say that they don't do anything well. And letting Taysom Hill, who's playing terribly, run on you and is, is different than the Kamara thing, because at least with that you could say, well, he's Alvin Kamara. Like he's coming off of a, you, you know, he's a, he's a coming off an injury, but t- you know, just a great uh, NFL runner and, and playmaker. So you look at that and go, okay, against a crappy Jets running defense, yeah. you know, I'm not surprised he's running all over the field. I'm not surprised seeing that touchdown where he's like eight Jets are just hanging off of every body part and he's just walking into the end zone. That doesn't surprise me as much as just. It's like Taysom Hill, like this is the guy who's able to gain yards. It, that was that was really, really disappointing. So I, I don't know um, if we want to get into this now or whatever, but I had kind of a, a idea for a hypothetical for you. What, how do you think this game goes if the Jets are completely healthy? And by completely healthy, I mean completely healthy, like 
magic wave a magic wand and like Zach's knee, if there's any link thing lingering there, is fine. Makai Becton is in. You know, like every single injury that we've had over the year. Do you think this game goes differently? Are the Jets completely healthy or are both teams completely healthy? Like, are we playing Jameis or no? Uh, just the Jets. Just the Jets. <laughs> just I, the Jets. We'll I, do just the Jets. Uh, based on what I watched during this game, I say the Jets probably lose that game uh, by about 10 fewer <laughs> points. I think having Elijah Moore and Michael Carter uh, would have done wonders for this offense and would have taken a lot of pressure off that defense just by the amount of first downs those two would create by themselves, taking the pressure off that defense, not having to be on the field the entire game. But I still think, based on what I saw today, the Saints probably still roll in this game, just based on the fact that the Jets couldn't stop them. What about like uh, having Lawson in there, though? Having Carl Lawson in, do you think that would help? Like stuff like... Oh, interesting. I I didn't think about the defensive end. Yeah. Yeah, players we've already forgotten about because they've been injured so long. You almost have to go like, oh, yeah, yeah, he was supposed to be the biggest defensive player on the team, and we've totally forgotten. So if we're starting uh, Marcus May and LaMarcus Joyner at safety, right? If we're if we've got Carl Lawson and and Vinnie Curry on the D line with Quinn and Williams, uh, that's interesting. That's an interesting hypothetical. I think, yeah, I think maybe the Jets win that game. I think it's fair to say that would have at least been a fair fight. I think it's not an excuse because every team in the NFL deals with injuries, right. but it is an interesting hypothetical nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, more of a hypothetical than an excuse for sure. But uh, but I was thinking about that because there's like like we're joking about, but it's actually true. Like there's essentially no positives you can take away from a game like this. So I'm trying to figure out is the is the move here as the fan base are we supposed to be blaming? Should we blame the injuries? Because I think if you do that, then at least you take some of the heat off of sol uh, more of an offensive thing, but take some of the heat off of like. Sala, who's taking a little bit of it, Wilson, who's taking a lot of it online, and it seems like there's a battle now. At least I'm kind of been like scrolling through like Jets Twitter and Reddit more than than usual, I guess. And it's the the narrative seems to be all about Wilson, about if you're are we totally sold on him as being a bust and just that this is all kind of his fault. And then there's the people who are saying he's missing his wide receiver one and two. He's missing running back. He's missing, you know, these offensive linemen and all these. And and I, I guess I'm torn because on the one hand, yeah, I think if the team is completely healthy, there's a possibility they win a game like this. But like with the way he is playing, if we're, I don't know if we're switching to offense now, but the way he is playing doesn't bode well even if the team is completely healthy and everything is functioning fine. That, that's what I'm seeing. So I, it, it's not a question to me like of, oh, you have to pick one team or the other. Obviously, it's both factors are helping, are contributing to the fact that they're this, this inefficient. But I, I, I don't know, Seth. I, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope here. Is it, I don't know what we're, supposed to, what, we're, what we're supposed to take away at this point from something because if one team is, if one side of the fan base is saying, oh, it's all injuries and, and things are going to, and he's a rookie, da da da, things are going to get better. And then the other half is like, we should bring in a, I, I'm hearing like a podcast or I'm seeing people being like, we should bring in, they should consider bringing in a quarterback this offseason to compete with him. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know how I feel about it. But at the same time, I don't see any positives from Zach Wilson coming out of this game. No, n- neither do I. And it's another game where I think James Lofton put it best when he said that Zach is missing layups. It's not that he's not hitting these deep yeah. bombs. He's he, he's continuously missing underneath drag routes 
and, uh, you know, routes to running backs in the flat. And he's just straight missing them. He's throwing it over their heads or he's throwing it into the ground. And it's it, it's just like you can't miss the layups, man. That's just not NFL caliber. Uh, and it's interesting to see a lot of the NFL experts and NFL pundits. Uh, I mean, earlier this week, I think it, uh, Chad Ochocinco actually came out and said, basically, don't panic. That he's, that he's like, this kid is really, really good. Yeah. And you hear that not only from people within the Jets organization who you figure, okay, they have to say that. You hear that a lot from people in other organizations and in media that, right. that are like, hey, calm down. The kid's really, really good. He's a rookie. He'll figure it out. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I, you know, I know I have to respect somebody, especially somebody who played like Ocho Senko, who probably knows a little more about football than I do. But at the same time, I watch <laughs> a lot of Jets, man. And right. this kid, he's just he's missing easy throws by such wide margins where it's it's almost like you have to think you're like okay but does he though like like how how long can i even believe these uh, so-called experts it's like it's like they're asking me to believe to not believe what i'm seeing with my own eyes and at a certain point the the two things feed off of each other which i think is maybe something people are kind of not thinking about it in the short term you're looking at it and going well the team's really you know one half of the fan base is going well the team's really beat up so don't beat up on zach and then the, there's the other side that's going like, no, he's a bust, so we should address this situation now before it gets worse. And then the other players come back and they're healthy. But it's also both things happening at the same time. Like, he's developing as an NFL quarterback now. So if the team is this incompetent and, and injured and everything now, that doesn't bode well for what's happening to him in the future. So even if, like, I think a guy like Ochocinco or some of these national analysts, like you're saying, are looking at him and going, well, there's talent there. There's, there's something that we can, you know, don't panic yet. He's young. There's still things that he can do in his career. But if that de- if he doesn't develop that talent into something, you know, now really, then or at least over the course of, I guess we're saying he's probably going to start the whole season next season. So he's really got at this point, you've got like a, a, you know, a year and five weeks or whatever it is, four weeks. And so the window of time on Zach is really, really shutting quickly. And I feel like it, it's one of those things where it does go from, hey, we can salvage Sam Darnold. Okay, there's this, that, the other thing, too. We're better off trading him. And and they seemed like, at least in the short term, they were. They are. I, I'm hesitant to just, like, sort of make sweeping statements like they absolutely should have a quarterback controversy or, or you know, bring in a quarterback to, to, uh, to compete with them. I don't know. That doesn't seem like it's the right move. But at the same time, I don't see a situation next season where we're looking suddenly like, oh, everyone's back and healthy, and Zach is developing into a into a Pro Bowl level, amazing, talented quarterback. That seems like it seems like two two problems that are happening simultaneously. And if you can't solve one of them, then the other one's going to go awry anyway. I, I I don't know. Right. It's like you always have a built-in excuse. It's like. Well, it's not him; it's the rest of the team. And then it's like, if it, if they fix the team, it's like, well, it's just he just needs time to develop, right? It's like when it's like at, yeah. at what point does he step up enough to make the difference? Because when you have other teams who also have injuries, like the other week, you know, I don't want to you know compare him to Aaron Rodgers, but you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was a game where Aaron Rodgers really had uh, no Devontae Adams, he had no Robert Tanyan. I think he was really just playing with like a gimpy Lazard and then MVS. And I think the Packers won that game pretty handedly. And it's like, well, the great players find a way to figure it out. They're so talented. 
they elevate the rest of their team. Yeah. And those teams have the ability to play through injuries. And so if he would have lost that game, nobody would have said, well, he didn't, he, he would he didn't have Devonte Adams. It's not his fault. No, they would have blamed Aaron Rodgers, and probably rightfully so. Yeah, and it's his rookie year, so you don't want to say, well, obviously he should be doing exactly what Aaron Rodgers is doing now. But I think you have to see at least signs of it, and we're not seeing signs of it with with Zach. I mean, yeah, the signs that we have seen probably like I don't know. There's been what two or three quarters so far where I think we've seen some like competent play from him outside of garbage time where he's getting some stats and stuff like that. So it's such a strange problem. That's why I wanted to run the hypothetical by you because I was like, I, you know, everybody is saying, oh, this person's injured, this person's injured, this person's injured. You can't blame Zach. I'm like, okay, so let's say they're all back. Do you think he's that much better? Do you think he's that much? Even with like I, the Elijah Moore injury, you know, we've, we've been high on more, like I think every Jets fan is. Of course, he goes on IR before the game, so it's, or a couple days before the game. So it's like, okay, so he's not going to have him. So that was somebody who Zach liked, who he was targeting, who's not there anymore. Maybe you can just say that alone coming into this game is in his head. Uh, but, you know, and they're, they're down to playing these, uh, you know, the, the wide receiver core now is down to, well, who is it? It's Mims, Crowder. Barrios. Yeah, they're playing Mims and Cole on the outside with Cole, Crowder yeah. and Barrios in the slots. Yeah, and I think, and I think I, I like Crowder, but he's not going to be. You know, he's not. Uh, I don't think going to be like your number one go to guy at this point. He is who he is. Cole is okay, but he's really a depth player. He really should. He, you know, he really should not be in the starting lineup. So again, I don't know. I, I waffle back and forth between between these two things. But to me, it's like I don't see anything from Zach where I go, "Oh, that was an amazing pass." But uh, it was Keelan Cole who maybe isn't getting, wasn't getting first team reps. So now we're concerned about. It. It's like every single throw is behind guys. He's missing. He missed another throw in the backfield. Where you know, there's just it's literally just me tossing a football to you in a backyard. That's all he has to do on that play, and he grounds it uh, to. I think it was Barrios in the backfield. So you just kind of go like, I, I, to me, I'm, I'm I think I'm definitely more on in the out on Zach camp, but you, I think we're just in the situation now where it's like you got to play out the string of games and see what happens. Yeah, I think we're both in camp out on Zach at least until we see some flashes of potential. As a rookie in the NFL, you get a pass on rookie mistakes. Rookie mistakes are mental mistakes. Uh, Mental mistakes like holding on to the ball too long, not reading coverages correctly, etc. He's not making mental mistakes. He's making accuracy mistakes, and I don't give him a pass on that. I'm sorry, not at this level. You mentioned Denzel Mims earlier in terms of that's who Zach is down to playing with now. I'm off the train, Seth. I'm off the train. If you're still on it, I'm waving goodbye. I don't know if you're still on it. The Mims train's left the station. We've been clamoring for this guy to play all year, and he's probably going to continue to play as Corey Davis and Elijah Moore sit. But, oh, boy, you got a sense of to to why the coaching staff has been so down on Denzel Mims. For someone who is as physically talented as he is, he seems to have an incredibly low football IQ. Yeah. He doesn't seem to know the rules. He's making bonehead plays. He's making... He's getting terrible penalties. Um, This guy needs some serious, serious coaching. He seems like your classic project wide receiver. Oh, yeah. No, this was, yeah, this was definitely an eye-opener in terms of why we weren't seeing him so much early in the year. And we were talking about, like, 
you know, like they got Jeff Smith out there. Like what, what is this? And what I realized is it's like Jeff Smith is absolutely nowhere near the athlete that Denzel Mims is, but he's also not going to line up in front of a slot receiver and get a penalty or that weird hands to the face thing where I don't know. I mean, that's definitely a penalty on Mims, but it also seemed like he got thrown to the ground afterwards. It seemed like, I don't, I don't know. There was that, that was, that one was a little more dubious, but then I think if you got a flag thrown on you, at least it feels like to me the idea would be like, well, the thing I can absolutely not do on the next play is get another flag thrown on me. And then he lines up wrong, <laughs> which is like, talk about football IQ. That's just like, what, the most basic thing, I think, is just knowing where you're supposed to be lined up, let alone running routes, let alone, you know, understanding defensive coverages or whatever it is. So it's a strange thing because... I think for a period, I was wondering whether or not it was talent versus coaching. And somehow, now the talent on the field is looking so bad that I, I'm not blaming coaching nearly as much. But with something like this, like with Mims, you know, at this point, it's been a whole football season almost. And this guy has no football IQ whatsoever. So I don't know if the move is... what. Would the move have been to play him a little bit more earlier on in the season and try to get some of these mistakes out of him? Or do you think this is just who he is going forward? No, and I think this is one of those interesting things where we don't see the team in practice, so we don't really know. Because as we're clamoring for this guy to play, and it's easy to say now, well, maybe he should have been playing this whole time. We would have had these kinks worked out. I think this is clearly something that the Jets coaching staff was probably seeing in practice. Yeah. So it's it's not surprising that we see him in this game and it looks like, oh, okay, he isn't ready. He's just playing now out of uh, injury necessity. Right. I don't know if you noticed this for the Jets on offense, but it seemed like Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints was in on just about every throw that Zach made. I don't know if this is a coaching thing. Um, Some credit, of course, has to go to Lattimore as one of the league's top corners, but maybe don't throw at that guy (laughs) on every down, whether it was... Yeah. yeah, whether it was Mims or Cole or Crowder, it always seemed like the play was getting uh, broken up by Lattimore. And, I'm, and I just kept, kept finding myself thinking, hey, don't throw at that guy. Throw at the other guy. Throw at the third guy. Do something different. Try to get a matchup problem. I know we don't have a dominant tight end, but try to create some sort of matchup problem with Ty Johnson. I don't know. It was just too many throws right into the teeth of that Saints defense in Lattimore. Yeah, and one of the positive offensive plays for the Jets was Zach Wilson scrambling and finding Ryan Griffin. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the the tight end situation is really bad, and if if they can upgrade talent at that position at all, I think that really helps, especially with a young quarterback struggling with accuracy problems. So that would be something that I observed from the game. But I agree in terms of, yeah, we talked about the coach. I agree with the Lattimore point. You know, I, I feel like you see this a lot, not just from the Jets, but from teams where you'll see them running plays and they're running them at like star corners or safeties. And you're kind of like, you know, there's other people on the field, right? Or like, or if it happens once, you go, oh, okay, they got burned by that guy, but then they're going to go somewhere else. And so that, that's not to say it's a league wide problem, but I do see it more uh, th- than than just the Jets. But yeah, it's both. I mean, I think it's the the coaching and the talent. And we already talked about not uh, not liking the defensive strategy of the Jets early on letting Taysom Hill run on them. So I'm not I'm not totally absolving the coaching by any means, but I guess I'm I'm wondering at this point if they are so talent starved that I, I, I'm not sure what 
Sala can do with situations, you know, there's clear cut situations, right? There's Zach Wilson can't throw a football to a guy in the backfield. Okay. You can't do anything with that, right? There's nothing you can do about that. But then there's these kind of murkier situations, like we're saying, where it's like, so do you, do you coach up Mims and have him play more? Or is this the person he is? And it seems like they're falling into all of these all at once with, the injuries with Zach's development and just with game with game strategy. There's a lot of like murky area where just like you say, not knowing practice and not being like a film expert or whatever. It's hard to understand is the game plan. You know, if you were to create like perfect football robots (laughs) that were executing the game plan, offensive and defensive game plans, would they be working totally efficiently or, is this you know or is it is it a talent problem i guess that's what madden is we could run a madden simulation and pump up uh zach wilson's <laughs> zach wilson's quarterback rating i think zach would play better in a madden simulation i think the game would probably <laughs> have to respect his raw talent at least right this might be the i bet he's the best in madden this year i bet next year his point his whatever his like what is the, his rating goes down like oh my god or whatever at, at least 10 <laughs> points yeah i yeah. shudder to think of what uh zach stats will look like in madden 23 Let's take a quick break, and I want to talk about next week against the Miami Dolphins. So the Miami Dolphins are a team unlike the Jets in that they haven't been officially eliminated from playoff contention, but they're a team that is probably on the brink of being eliminated from playoff contention. Is there any chance the Jets beat this team on Sunday? Because while I was optimistic about Taysom Hill and his nine and a half fingers. <laughs> I'm less optimistic, weirdly, about Tua Tungavailoa, a guy who we've never shown a ton of respect on this podcast, but against this defense, you got to figure he's not going to put up a ton of resistance. And I think this Dolphins defense is actually something to be feared. I think Zach might be in for a very long day against this Dolphins defense, especially without his top guns once again. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, when we were at at a certain point, we were looking at the remainder of the Jets games and trying to decide if they were going to hit the over-under in any way. And we kind of agreed that the Dolphins were a possible win, but they weren't going to beat them twice. And now I'm beginning to think they're not going to beat them at all. And like you said, the bottom line is just the defense. I mean, as much as we want to talk about the offense and Zach Wilson struggling from a defensive standpoint, they're giving up at least 30 points a game, even to teams like the Saints, who played pretty abysmally and punted a lot in this game. So, and granted, some of that was running up the score in garbage time there, getting that extra touchdown. But uh, yeah, that game was 13 to six after three quarters. Yeah, it was a one touchdown game for a, three quarters until the end. <laughs> so, yeah, so so there's there's a there's a curve to to grade that game on for sure. But I mean, the bottom line is like you can't leave a game with the scoreboard saying that your offense that your opponent scored 30 or 45 points on you unless you're a team that's scoring 50 points a game you know unless you're somebody who's just you know unless you're like the kind of bend but don't break Kansas City Chiefs or something and you can just pull a bunch of like offensive plays out of your butt and like win a game which obviously the Jets are not maybe that's their goal in the future with like a Zach Wilson turning into like the playmaker we hoped he would be and all that stuff maybe that's like the direction they could potentially go in but it's just a matter of fact that you can't have a defense that's playing this poorly on every level so yeah in terms of the Dolphins I agree because they're also still playing and still in contention 
Uh, I think they're probably going to control this one from the word go. I think the best thing the Jets have going for them in this game is uh, uh, a uh, division shit. You know what I mean? Yes, division. Uh, division games just they're competitive more often than not. It just is what it is. Right. No matter who's competing. Uh, and then the second thing is that the Dolphins, you know, low-key suck. So that's the two things the Jets have going for them is that maybe – Lest we forget. Uh, lest we forget. Uh, maybe the Dolphins blow this more than the Jets go out and win it. Maybe the Jets' defensive line really gets after Tua, makes him panic enough to uh, create a couple of turnovers. So we'll see. The matchups that terrify me in this game, the running back Gaskin, I think, uh, might torch the Jets on the ground. And I think uh, the tight end, Mike Gazicki could also go off on this team, especially if they try to cover him with linebackers. We've seen how the Jets linebacking core has attempted to cover tight ends this season. It has not gone well. I think the Dolphins have a sneaky good tight end. So I think those matchups will spell some doom and gloom for the Jets next week. As of right now, Gaskin is on the COVID list, but he could test out based on, because uh, he's vaccinated, so he could test out with two negatives before then. But just throwing that out. Right now, right as of right now, all three of the uh, running backs for Miami are on the COVID list. But they can, I think they're all vaccinated, so they could all test out, so we never know. I, I was thinking it's funny how we do these pods like early in the week, and then inevitably there's like a text from me to you, or you to me, halfway through the week that's like, oh, Elijah Moore is out, and then like a gif of somebody like punching a wall. or <laughs> <laughs> So maybe we should do... Maybe we should do an all gift based podcast someday where we just uh just recap the ones that that we sent that we sent to one another yeah yeah that that would be good um I do think it's telling though that the dolphins are favored in this game by eight and a half points. The dolphins yeah. are favored by well over a touchdown, yeah in this game. Ooh, I mean, even with the eight and a half, I don't like the jets no, like I said, there might be some sneaky value to a plus three twenty three underdog. Um, but I'm not even brave enough to take that. I absolutely uh, hate the Jets in this game, like we said. And I think my Jets under for the season, under six wins for the year, which I locked in before the season started, I think it's pretty safe. The Jets have three wins as it is right now. I highly doubt they pick up a fourth this week. And as we've discussed uh, with maybe the Bucks and uh, Bills at the end of the year not having much to play for, that's not true. The Bucks are going to have a lot to play for, fighting to keep yeah. or acquire, I should say, the number one seed right. in the NFC. That's huge for them if they can get the number one seed away from the Packers. So the Bucks will absolutely have something to play for. Plus, Brady's not going to let himself get benched against the Jets. Buffalo's absolutely going to have something to play for. They're a fringe playoff team. I didn't realize that Buffalo would fall apart in the way that they did. Yeah. Granted, they played some excellent teams, but I, did, I certainly didn't see Buffalo in this position. Our weekly segment. Our Art of the Bills good segment, yeah. Obviously, they'll have something to play for in Week 18, so that's going to be a pretty big loss as well. We've got Nick Wojton on the line. No, we don't. Sorry. <laughs> we'll have you back soon enough, Nick. <laughs> we And we wouldn't be able to take calls. I thought about that, too, that we were penciling in these uh, teams that, you know, we were penciling in like a, ooh, we might get a Mitch Trubisky game late in the year. All right. And it's like, no, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So or definitely can't happen at this point. So I was going to bring up also really quickly two two things just scrolling through like Jets Reddit and Twitter that that, that I thought were one. One is an actually uh, insightful point. And one is it's a joke. So the joke is I saw one person call him Christian Zackenberg and that I now <laughs> that's just in my head. And I can't Oh my god. <laughs> I can't get it. Once you once you hear it, it's just in there and then you can't get it out. And then but the other one that was a little more insightful, actually I saw this a couple of weeks ago, I think, but uh I thought it was a good point, was uh like Ty Johnson 
is this player where he's like he's pretty good if he has the ball downfield somehow like he's good at avoiding tacklers but you can't hand it to him because he can't really run and he can't catch passes. So it's this weird, <laughs> they need, like, they need a, <laughs> which is a problem. So it's like they need, like, they need some kind of, like, a, like a matrix or, like, a time machine type thing where he just has the ball five yards downfield and he can avoid, but you can't hand it to him and he can't catch it. So those are, those are, like, you know, slight problems. But this, the, the three drops in this game, uh, right off the bat where it was like, oh, my God. And then they kept – I think I texted you and I was like, I'm going to go down there and rip out the Ty Johnson run up the middle out of the playbook and just like <laughs> – just be like, hey, Mike LaFleur, is that, a, is, that a, is that a B on your hat? And then just like rip it out of the playbook. So, he, uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess it's probably tough now. Maybe you have, you have to like delete a page out of that Microsoft tablet thing or whatever. But just whatever <laughs> that play was, like the 10th time it doesn't work, I'm like, okay, guys, you, I know you're probably not trusting Zach on some of these throws, but – this uh, I, that just it's always drives me nuts when it's like first down, they run some play and it doesn't work or maybe it gains like a yard and then the and second down, they they run a run up the middle. I never understand that idea because it's oh how many times in this game was it third and six, third and seven? Yeah, I, I just I, that just drives me nuts. It's like if you know there's a ceiling, like we're gonna run this play, probably the best it's gonna get is like three yards. Yeah, okay, on a second and second and two, second and three, by all means, you know, because then if you get stuffed, you can do something on third down. But if it's second and relatively long, throw the damn ball. Why not? Try to try to do something. Run an out route. Run, run an end around. Run a jet sweep. Have somebody run down this. I don't know. Just do something. It's it's like the difference between third and seven and third and nine. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, get get creative. Have some sense of urgency in these games. Yeah, definitely. Just have Mims just run us. Have they had any time where they just ran a play to Mims just running straight down the field. Maybe you're going to pass interference, you know? They threw zero deep balls to Denzel Mims, and that's true. I mean, there's only so many outcomes, and one of them is pass interference. So just yeah. let it rip. We know that's the one thing Zach can do is send it deep, right? It's either pick, but that's basically an arm punt. Incomplete, who cares? Or completion, which would be nice, but we're not expecting, or PI. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I what, what have you got to lose at this point? You've got three wins in the year. Let it rip. Yeah. This is why we're not coaches, though. <laughs> then they're gonna, they're gonna get. Then we're gonna do this, and he's gonna get hurt. And we're gonna be like, ah, that's why they didn't do it. Okay. I contend that I make really good playbooks in Madden. I should be an offensive coordinator. Yes. I contend that I would be good at that job, and I stand by that take. <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, yeah, your current employer should be worried that you know the Jets might come calling. Well, not the Jets. Maybe no, a smarter organization. Maybe who needs an OC right now? Maybe an organization with some sense of stability will come and snatch me up. We'll see. What if you're like, but I'm not going to the Patriots. I won't do it. <laughs> Sense of pride. <laughs> I will not. I will not do it. <laughs> I love that. The Buccaneers, maybe not the Patriots. Bucks, I yeah, refuse. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. <laughs> the weather seems nice. I'll tell you what I'll do to the Patriots. I'll quit on my first day and I'll go work for the Jets. How about that? Oh, you like that? Bam. <laughs> That's going to do it for us here at Just End the Show. Enjoy the games next week, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk to you about the Jets and... Christian Zackenberg. And Christian Zackenberg. <laughs> uh, the Jets and the Dolphins, part two. Credit to whoever that was, whoever you are out there. If We're, st we're stealing it now, but we're thinking of you, whoever you are. Random Twitter person. Shout out, Zackenberg. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Kevin, take us out. Just End the Show. Just End the Show.